welcome to Never Seen It, a podcast about movies that we haven't seen yet. I'll be your host today. I'm Betsy. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Trent. Hello, listeners. Hello, Betsy. Hello, Trent. Today, we are on to movie number nine of the Best Picture nominees for this well, past year, I guess? Yep. Current season. For 2022. That we're about to wrap up. We are watching All Quiet on the Western Front. Now, I think this is one that both you and I are fairly unfamiliar with. <laughs> Before it was announced as a Best Picture nominee, I hadn't heard of this movie. You didn't know it existed at nope. all. Nope. So since it's been announced as a Best Picture nominee, what have you learned about it? <laughs> Not much. Uh, the short version is there is a young German soldier in World War I that defects to the Western side and fights for the other side, is, as it were. Is that what happens? I think so. Because in the description, it says he fights for the Western forces. I don't know what that means because I'm not that familiar with World War One. Nobody is. Thanks, American educational system. <laughs> well, and of course, this is a German movie. So this is the yeah. official submission from Germany for the best international film category. Mm -hmm. So it's actually up in both categories, okay. including that and best picture. So it's in German. It's going to obviously be from, I assume, the German perspective. Well, it's from this kid's perspective, I would imagine. On the German side, though? I don't think so. I think it is going to be the accounts that he has of himself in the war fighting for, for lack of a better word, the Allies. So he's going to defect from Germany and fight with the Americans? I believe so. Or the non-Germans, I suppose? Like I said, the Allies, for lack huh. of a better word. Well, okay, interesting, because that's more than I knew about and it. It could be for the British, it could be, could be for a lot of different sides. Again, we don't know much about World War One because there's not a lot of movies about World War One, and we never got educated about such things. Well, what I do know is there is another movie from, like, the 1920s or 30s called All Quiet on the Western Front. Yes. I don't know if that is... The exact storyline that we're about to see or a loose adaptation. Or maybe it was all of these were based on a book. Maybe. No idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I know there was another movie called All Quiet on the Western Front, but whether these two movies are related, I don't I don't have a clue. <laughs> and I think the only other thing I know about this is it's a Netflix exclusive. <laughs> it is. It's all on Netflix. So if uh, uh, you're having a hard time catching up, well, at least you can watch this if you got the Netflix. This is the only one on Netflix this year too, yes. isn't it? Yes. They usually have one. Some, mm -hmm. I, I'm waiting for the year where they have several. Well, and like Netflix is like cutting back on the amount of content that they're producing because it's not making return on the amount of people signing up for Netflix. Well, and then they keep cracking down on the whole login thing, but that's a whole uh, other conversation. They're not actually for doing day. that, but no. in America. <laughs> well, and they've been losing subscribers like crazy because they keep upping the price and there's so much competition out there with their own service and their own content. Mm -hmm. Like we've had these conversations before where Netflix is really going to have to pull out all the stops here because all of these different studios are reclaiming all of their content that has been on Netflix to put on their own service because they have their own services now mm -hmm. that they can claim all the revenue from ads. If it's going to be like a Pluto or one of those other services or HBO and Disney plus. So 
Yeah, Netflix is a weird animal right now. We'll see. Maybe one day they'll actually take the top prize, but that day is probably not going to be today. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. Let's go watch All Quiet on the Western Front, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Bodies and Blood with Trent and Betsy. <laughs> um, so that was all quiet on the Western Front. Trent, how you feel about that one? You know, I don't know if you've heard this phrase before, but war is hell. War is very much hell. Yeah. Yeah. So this one is kind of surprising to me that... You know, okay, I, I, I see where the Academy is coming from here with all of these nominations. This movie is extremely well made. Oh, yeah. These are hard movies to make well. Top-notch, like, production of it, shooting of it, the music of it, how it sounds overall, what it looks like. The editing. All put together. It is a fantastically made movie. That being said... It's just kind of a mad reaction from me because, you know, we've seen war movies like this before. We've seen stories like this before. The filmmakers here are coming from a very authentic point of view. And we were wrong in the beginning, or at least I was wrong in the beginning. I thought this was going to be from the perspective of somebody who defected and went to the other side. I was wrong. Uh, no, this is from an actual German soldier, a young kid, and his friends joining up into the German army and fighting in World War One, So, th right there, I mean, I had to readjust my expectations once I figured out, oh, no, these are all Germans, and this is, this is just going to be one of these movies. And it was. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think what the, the Academy is trying to do here is give it props, give it the accolades that it deserves for the effort that went into making the movie. Well, that often happens where if you're going to nominate it in all of these other technical categories, yeah. why don't you nominate it for the big prize? Because it has to be the sum of its parts. Like, yes. you can't say, oh, well, everything about it is amazing, but the movie is not so right. great. Yeah, and I'm having, like, <laughs> some, some mixed feelings here about it because, like I said, I really enjoyed looking at this movie and, like, hearing this movie. But I don't think the story is unique enough to have it be like this, like all encompassing, great, great movie. I think that I think I feel a little differently than you do. Uh, I think this is masterfully done. Yeah. And yes, it is a story we've seen before, but it is done with a really deft touch. Mm -hmm. And the, like we talked about it in Tar, one of the things I had heard was the last part of the movie. There's this sequence of show don't tell yeah this movie starts with an amazing sequence of show don't tell and it sets the tone for the whole movie where you see this kid on the german front and he is scared shitless and he goes out there and he mm -hmm. dies and then you watch everybody pulling the uniforms off of the dead bodies yeah sending them back 
to Germany. Get cleaned up. Washing them. Patched Patching up. them. Yep. And they show, like, the name tag of the soldier is sewn into the uniform. Mm-hmm. And they wash them, and they ship off those uniforms to the next batch of kids who yep. has no idea that these uniforms were worn by dead men. Like, the yeah. kid we are following, the whole movie, Paul, he says, oh, well, there must be a mistake because... There's already a soldier's name in here. The guy just says, oh, well, it happens. It must have been too small for him. And we, the viewer, is just watching this whole thing and this impending sense of doom because it's cyclical. It's the beginning of the movie, we're in the war, and then here's a new batch of recruits. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the movie, it starts again. It's this cycle of war where it's the hubris of man and the fucking futility of the whole thing. Yeah, and that's right it right there. This war was a fucking meat grinder. They threw men at this war. It was the trench warfare that we've all heard about, and it just ended up being nothing for nothing. At the end of the movie, they have like a postscript where they say, it started in this spot, October 1914. Yeah. And by the end of the war, they had moved maybe a hundred yards. Yeah. And three million people died in this spot. Mm hmm. For the, the fucking no man's land. What? Yeah. For fucking what? Hubris. And hubris. It is, it is all hubristic attitudes because these generals did not want to lose. They didn't care about winning, they just didn't want to lose. Yeah, so this guy that is manning this area, this yeah. general says, well, fine, we're going to start. Uh, shutting down everything. It's going to be done at 11. But guess what? We're going in before 11. We and we're going to fuck shit up. We want to have one final victory before we give up. We're not going out pussies. Yeah. Like, get the hell out there. And meanwhile, yeah. this dude is sitting in a fucking, like, mansion... Yeah. Having beautiful food and ju- listening to opera. The juxtaposition of the war scenes along with what the general is doing and with the negotiators when they're in their fancy trains and having their fancy meals is very apparent. And they're doing that for a reason. The, the filmmakers are anyway. So I get that and I very much appreciated how they are depicting these guys who are just putting out the orders to say, you know what? No, I don't care what the, the 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 experts are telling me. Yes, we know it is a meat grinder. Yes, we know we're going to lose. But I don't care. I don't want a loss on my record. I don't want the final battle to be a loss. Yeah, you're not the expert here. Yeah. I'm the expert here. Right. I'm the general. This is, and he says, like he has a whole scene where he says, "I'm a soldier, and I was born too young because yeah. if I had, or I was born too late. If he had been born earlier, he would have gotten more wars to fight in." Sure. And so this guy isn't even going to die. And that's the history of Europe. Yeah. Well, and that's the history of Germany at this time. Like, he literally says, they tried to march on Paris in the 1870s. Yeah. I didn't know that. Like, I don't know Mm -hmm. how far back German history with France goes. (laughs) I suspect a while. And the end of this movie is Armistice Day, where they decided on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, they're gonna broker peace and when they show those scenes of the german bureaucrats basically negotiating Mm -hmm. there is no negotiation it's sign this piece of paper or we will destroy whatever's left of you are losing and even the uh what's his name daniel daniel brule shows yes the one very very german actor that you've seen in a few different things probably he's in marvel movies probably the only person most Americans will recognize. Yes. Yeah, he's in the Marvel movies and he is also in Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. So 
arguably the most famous German actor at present. <laughs> Male German actor for sure. Sure. Anyway, so he is saying we're losing 40,000 troops a week. That is really, really bad. That Yeah, and he knows that if they don't make peace, yeah. there will be no people left in Germany, basically. Yeah. Like, things are falling apart back at home. Food lines are being disrupted. People are starving. People are starving, and, like, there's basically anarchy in the streets. And by the end, the Kaiser, which is the equivalent of their president, abdicates. He quits and says, you know what? No, I'm done. And whoever's left in charge tells this uh, negotiator go ahead and sign it sign it i sign it. i you highly need to be done. i highly recommend you sign it no matter yeah. the terms and if you know anything about the repercussions of this this of course basically puts germany in a stranglehold which is what ended up creating yeah. planting the seeds that created World War II. Right. And I, again, I wish I knew more about the history between World War One and Two to, ha to have all of these things happen to them. I knew, I know enough to know it was an economic struggle. Like the country mm -hmm. was cut off at the knees to make sure that this wouldn't happen again. Right. And of course, all they did was create the cycle again. By, right. by putting Germany in that position, it left a lot of tension and stress on the economy. The people were starving. Nobody could do business. And, you know, you're having a, de a depression. Yeah. And out of that... And it's a pride chaos thing. Chaos is a ladder. <laughs> it's, it's also a very much a pride thing because the German people are a very proud people and they don't want to be seen as any kind of, like, weaklings or whatever else. It's similar to what happened to Japan after World War II. Like, they had to sign a treaty to say, we cannot have a standing army. And that is in place as of today. Like, they have some d d defensive capabilities, but for the most part, they have to depend on places like Korea, places like the United States, for their defense in case they get attacked. In case of emergency break glass. Sure. <laughs> That's pretty much it. So, it's the same kind of, like, like you said, they got cut off at the knees, and there's a lot of, like, pent-up aggression and pent-up frustrations that we, we as the German people, cannot... Uh, ascend back to where we were before world war one and i get where they were coming from but they went about it the wrong way they kind of went too far but again they depicted in this movie where daniel brule says the people are not gonna like this and you are putting yeah. us in a really difficult position yeah and it's not fair he he says it's not fair well, and the french guy yeah. says don't you fucking talk to me about fair. Like, yeah. who marched in here? Who started exactly. this you shit? You fucking started this shit. Yeah. You're, you will take what we are giving you mm -hmm. and be thankful that we are not going further. That we're not, that we're leaving you with anything at yeah. all. Daniel Brule says something to the effect of, yeah, they're taking, like, our trains and all of our ammunition and food lines and everything else. The horses, the guns, name it. All of it. They get to keep it all after our country produced all of it and they're probably taking over even more than that mm -hmm. yeah for nothing for four years mm -hmm. of people dying yeah 17 million people the, died and, in this war yeah the belligerent german uh officers and army and whatever else caused all this to happen you did it to yourselves guys well and of course they clearly aren't telling the people who are back home, how things are really going. Because sure. when they open the movie, you've got Paul and his three friends, 
and they're all getting permission from their parents to sign up for the military they're enlisting and paul says well i couldn't get my dad to sign this paper so they forge the fucking signature Mm -hmm. and they go and enlist and they're all in this stairwell with all these bright young men and they're so excited in their little uniforms and there's this uh like look call him a drill sergeant or whatever giving this rousing speech saying you are going to be the the pride of germany patriotism and honor and bullshit 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 getting them all jacked up and of course again we have just seen this whole sequence of yeah, we the had the people dying scene. in the uniforms. Yeah, we had the initial scene of the same fucking trenches that we've had the entire movie. Yep. Like, we only have two trenches. One side is German and one side is France. And they swap once and in a while. And they swap. Yeah, like the end of the movie, Paul goes in and there's the, the picture of the lady that his other friend put up there. In a previous scene. In a yeah. previous scene, yeah. But yeah, they, they're getting this rousing speech they get their uniforms and then they're marching in their uniforms so proud so excited singing singing along about flowers girls. on their lapels they're just so proud to be in the german army but when we're talking about this as a movie this is also when you hear all this singing but there's this foreboding music the score. that is that is just injecting itself into this kind of happy go lucky scene and it is just reminding you what these guys are walking into. Yeah, they're just happily marching to their own doom and they have no idea. Yeah. But you get this wong, wong, kind of throughout the movie, like an alarm, Mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. And they're just singing and dancing and so happy. And of course, we already have this doom and gloom settling in. So I'm just watching them going, oh, fuck no. Oh, no. And they get there on the first day and it it's fucking nothing like they expected it to be and, and they know nothing they know nothing they've been told nothing they've basically received no training right <laughs> like this guy cat who we meet later he's i guess a lieutenant who has been there for a while Oh, he, yeah. he's, he's kind of telling the telling the new guys coming in, this is what it's like every day, guys. I referred to him and the other guy as the hardened mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, it's a great, you know, little touch to demonstrate how these are the old guys who have been here a while. And they're just, fit, they're older. Like, they're sure. in their 30s. And these guys are children. They are baby-faced yeah. little boys yeah. who come in and just immediately start screaming and crying. And his friend is literally, under the first attack, beating his own head head against the wall screaming i need to go home i can't do this i need to go home right like to be so overwhelmed that you're beating your own skull against the wall like that's a dark place to go Mm -hmm. and it just gets worse from there and that's their first day yeah first day yeah and like this this scene right before the, the they're in the bunker like Paul pulls guard duty because he doesn't keep his gun cleaned or something. I can't remember how that happened. So his friend gets, gu- uh, his gun is dirty yeah. and his friend gets guard duty. But then in a little while he gets it because he's helping his friend put on his That's right. gas mask instead of getting it on himself. Right. So because he was trying to do the right thing and help mm-hmm. his friend who was struggling, his, his officer says, well, you're not going to make it through the night. Right. You know, keep your fucking mask on. Right. Do not help your buddy no. because it's this your buddy. This is not an airplane situation. We do not <laughs> help. You have to you have to help yourself before you help others. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they get guard duty and then they are like 
I don't know. Do they like see movement out there? Is it just a mouse or a rat or something? There's fucking rats because there's bodies everywhere. This whole opening sequence is just bodies. Yeah. So they like shoot at this rat. And then immediately after that, a shot rings out from the other trench. And it's the German who saw the muzzle flash from the gun. And that means they know where you are. And he is lucky to be alive because it goes straight through the top of his helmet. Yeah, he gets his fucking helmet shot off and he falls backwards. That is how little they know. Yeah. And and, and yeah, like you said, the older guy says, it's like this every day. Yeah. Take your stuff and go 10 meters down because now they know where exactly you are. Like they're going to train, they're going to train, train their guns on this position until they see a little bit of movement. Because they will not miss the second time. No, now they know where you are and you don't know where they are. Yeah. So move your ass. Yep. And it just kind of goes downhill from there. Like they, He walks into an impossible situation and his friend dies the first day. Yeah. He gets uh, pulled, uh, what would they call it, gathering duty? Uh, go out, go out, go around and gather. Yeah, which get is, all the dog tags. Get all the dog tags from all the dead soldiers, including his, his, his friend with the glasses. Well, and it's also just, you know part of the machine he is in this room that collapses in the bunker in the bunker and they are pulling people out oh look it's paul it's paul he's alive and they pull the boards off him they set him upright and then he goes back into the trench and an officer says are you hurt right well then get to work Mm -hmm. like if you don't have an excuse to be sitting here fucking get off your ass yeah are you injured no all right what are you waiting on yeah and he starts gathering up dog tags just in a little bag, clink, mm-hmm. clink, clink. Mm-hmm. It's messed up. <laughs> so yeah, if you're looking for a movie that's really visceral and scary at times, like yeah. I was like horrified with, during with what's some gonna scene, happen. During some scenes, like what what they are depicting on screen, especially near the end, where they're like making advances. Like they go and capture the French trench. <laughs> it's a great band name. <laughs> uh and then they introduce the flamethrower soldiers and the it tanks escalates. come in. And like the French are not going to let go of this trench. No, the tanks like emerge. Like first you just feel the ground shake and the right. rats that are fleeing. There's just this sea of rats running Well, like the away. German soldiers are finding like all this, all this French food and French wine. And they're, and they're stuffing their faces. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, they start to feel the rumble and all these rats go by. Oh, God, I fucking hate that. Oh, yeah. No, trench warfare was fucked up. It's just yes. wet and yeah. muddy and bloody and mm-hmm. cold. And it's fucking November. And it's they have a pretty similar climate to where we live. It's, it's why they call it trench foot. Yeah. And then the tanks emerge from the smoke. Like all the explosions yeah. have been creating this haze. And these tanks come out. And then they're just driving over the trench because those... Those tanks don't fuck around. They don't need to worry about a little four-foot gap. They go right right over it. Or they go into it, and they're literally running people over. They're running people over. They have the guns out the side, and they can just shoot down the length of the trench and kill everybody there. Yeah, and like you said, they get out of the trench. They keep running. They they get a couple of the tanks, but right behind them is a whole bunch of foot soldiers with fucking flamethrowers. And Paul watches his friend get burned alive. And he is screaming and Flailing. While surrendering. While surrendering. Don't shoot. Don't shoot. Help. Help. Don't shoot. Yeah. And he just. Oh. That was 
fucked up and his friends are just watching this and this is the point where you know at the beginning of the movie they said let's all stay together let's stay together and mm-hmm. this is where all three of them get separated yeah, they the all three get that separated are left. yep and we don't know what happens to Franz but we know his other mm-hmm. friend dies sure because somebody says I have something for you and it's this little handkerchief he's been carrying around the sure. last two days which, we which we was ass- the same fucking day yeah, really yeah we, we can assume that yeah he did yeah he's definitely dead we never saw him again yeah but yeah, all in one day, he watches his friends go through some real terrible shit. Yeah. And then the next day, his friend who's still alive stabs himself in the fucking neck with a fork because he knows he's going to die. Yeah. Or at least he can't. He knows he's not going to have the life that he is, is really wanting. Because he was saying, oh, you know, they're not going to let me join the police. And like... I'm not going to let, let him take my leg and like like manly stupid shit like that. But they also throughout this movie have conversations of what are you going to do after? But oh, they God. also all know it's fucking futile. It's a yeah. pointless conversation. Even Paul, even Paul by the end is saying, I, my mom, or I told my mom or something like that where, yeah, we're going to be in France. We're going to be in Paris in two weeks. It is two years later and they have gone nowhere. The same place that they were occupying before is what it is right now. And it's just gotten more decrepit, you know? Mm -hmm. They're starving. Their uniforms are too big because they don't get enough food. They bring in new recruits. Did you notice there's the scene where uh, he, when Franz goes off with the women and he comes back in the middle of the night, he he says, oh, we have to get up at 6 a.m. to go and look for some children. Mm-hmm. 18 months later, he's referring to the new recruits as children. Yeah. Because that is how changed a person he is. Mm -hmm. That is how different they are from when they were those children. Well, and I noticed near the end of the movie where the next group of recruits come in and the general is going to say, hey, at 11 o'clock, it's going to be over, but we're going to go off and do one more battle. All of the fresh-faced soldiers. Clean. Yeah, clean-faced soldiers around Paul, who just looks disheveled. Yeah, it just him being there center frame and everybody else has these clean faces. Yeah. Yeah. It's it is horror that he goes through repeatedly. Yeah. And it for nothing. Like the worst things that happen to them are things that you and I couldn't possibly imagine happening to us. Yeah. And there's this interesting speech in the middle where his his friend Cat says, "I don't know what I'm going to do when I go back home because we're so different now. It's mm-hmm. going to be like being in a foreign country. All anybody's going to want to ask us about is what was it like? Yep. And meanwhile, we will not fit in. We will not know how to act. That's why so many people stay in the military. They don't know anything else. They don't know anything else because whatever they were, whoever they were beforehand is gone. It's beaten the fuck out of You're them. You're metaphorically dead. Yeah. Yeah. And in this era, like, this is such a monstrous way to go through a war. Right. And like, this people, is and the war. Listen, PTSD was not was, a thing was, in these days. Well, that's, that's the thing, though. This is the war that they came up with the term shell shock. Shell shock, yeah. Yes. So that's the term that they coined after this war. Then that term started to evolve over time. And it just kind of became a euphemism for what is really going on. Even... PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, is a very much a bullshit 
term for what you are going through. It well, is they, it is a medical term. They've slapped a medical term on it, but they at least identify it now as it's really a problem for these people. Yes. In this era, it was just that. Like you would go back home and they just want to talk to you about war because, ooh, you were in the war. Or, You're a big fancy soldier man. Right, and that's exciting and you can hear stuff on like – I don't even know if there's radio by this point. It's getting close, I'm sure. Uh, it, to a degree. Yeah. So, like, people are hearing about what's going on and getting getting the reports back in the newspaper and shit like that, where it's just romanticized. Mm-hmm. And these days, it is definitely not. No. Not anymore. <laughs> what not do you think, like this. Why do you think standing armies are so small these days, other than in authoritarian countries like North Korea and Russia? Well, and also why they're trying to change what a war is like yeah. more drones and not yes, bodies exactly because unmanned because let me tell you it would just be more of this yeah. it would be millions and millions of bodies on top of bodies on top mm-hmm. of bodies like this is two and a half hours of piles of human corpses and blood everywhere yeah and they just become so nonchalant about it at certain points like when they're on the patrol looking for this the new recruits, they find an explosion and they're like, oh, that must've been a big one. He's, he's missing his clothes and they're looking up 20 fucking feet into a tree and Mm -hmm. there's a torso. Yeah. Like one leg, like stumps of arms. It's just a torso. And they are just like, huh? And they keep going Mm -hmm. because that's how unfazed by something like that, that they are now. And then when they get to this, a train station and then like a factory there. Yeah, it's a train station that the, they've kind of like converted into something. They find that they had gas. Yeah. They're, they're canisters. So clearly there was gas. And this is another thing, chemical warfare. Like yes. this is some fucked up shit that was yep. in World War One. We and didn't I'm have surprised. a lot of rules in World well, War One. <laughs> and I'm kind of surprised that they didn't do more of that. More but, gas. But even like before, the, when they're marching towards the, the beginning of the movie, he said, gas, gas, gas. Actually, no, the French don't use gas. Uh, except clearly they do by the end because yeah. they get their hands on some. And they show this room. He discovers this room full of the entire platoon. Yeah. The All entire group. Dead. And they, they got say, gassed in this room. When they say they took their gas masks off too soon because mm-hmm. it still was lingering. Yeah. And they were just lying there dead. Yeah. And they're so unfazed by all of this. And the things that really get to him are when he's really up close to it. Like they're retreating after those tanks and he's watched his friends die. And he's in this wet trench, this hole in the ground that's left from a bomb. And a French guy is in there and he stabs him. He falls in. The other guy falls in just like he does. And the French guy like gets gets blown in there from one of his own bombs or something. Yeah. Something going off there, and Paul goes over there and stabs the fuck out of him. And of course, he doesn't die right away. He's choking on his own blood. Yeah, and that's the visceral nature of warfare that they are trying to depict here in the movie. Like this guy did not die clean. No. He is choking on his own blood. He is struggling. And Paul and, like, freaks out. Paul freaks out and like stops his face with, with mud. mud and dirt and sand and whatever to try to stop him from ch- from choking on his own stuff. He wants him to shut up. He wants him to stop doing what he's doing yeah. because it's still it's affecting him. Yeah, he's like rocking and covering his ears yelling shut up, shut up, shut up. Right. And then he comes to his senses a little bit and he starts trying to help him he starts trying to help him and like apologizing and like he took out 
the the French guy's like person, his, her, his personal effects, and is like seeing where he's from, seeing his wife and kid, and f- getting his name. And he's yeah. like, "I'm. I promise, I'm going to get this to your wife. I promise." Right. Like all of a sudden, that's your comrade, even though you just killed him. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really messed up. And of course, you've got this guy, who is the general, not seeing any of this. Sure. He's not a part of this. He just sees we have to hold this spot. It's fucking German territory and we are not going to give up and we're going to fight till the end. And it's just insane. It is insane because we've Mm -hmm. just watched the last two hours of none of this makes any sense. And none of it mattered. None of it mattered. By the end. Because, again the entire machine has bled the German army dry of not only supplies, but people. Yeah. That's the thing that they are lacking. At one point and near the end of the movie, they said Germany is going to be an empty country of no, no living people left in it because they're all killed by war. Yeah. So let's fucking hang it up right now. And then we get to the end of the movie where they're like, okay, it's going to be over. Like, it's just a matter of signing the paper. And it's quiet. Yeah. And I fucking knew. I fucking knew. <laughs> we we couldn't just get out of this alive. Oh, no. There's no happy ending There's here. no happy ending. So Kat and Paul are still alive. And Kat decides, it's over. They signed it. We're going to celebrate. Let's go steal a goose. Earlier in the movie, we watched them go to a farm and steal a goose. And he did it. Yeah. And that, that portion was 18 months after they've been in the shit, yeah. as it were. So they have this glorious day where they yeah. stole the goose and everything is great. And their friends, it's the last day their friends are together and alive and happy. Yeah. And keep in mind, this is like two days later. Sure. If you really think about it, this sure. is days later. Yeah. He, he was there and then they came back to the same farm and I'm just sitting here going, no, no, what the fuck are you doing? Why would you do this? You're fucking tempting fate. The war is going to be over in three hours. Fucking stop. Yeah. And of course, he doesn't listen to me because <laughs> he's in the movie and he can't hear me. <laughs> but they do it anyway and they get away. But the kid from the farm follows them and shoots cat in the woods. Mm-hmm. And Cat dies. Because they can't get him back in time. Like two hours before the end of the war. Yeah. Because he's a fucking, again, hubris. He thinks, I'm going to just yeah. do this. I've done it before. I'll do it again. But now it's your turn, Paul. And then Paul gets away with it. Mm-hmm. But he dies. Oh, my God. All for some eggs. And then Paul is left, and they're going to shoot any fucking deserters because this is like disorderly they say there's soldiers deserting yep. they're disorderly they're running around they're not following orders but you know what gather them up we're sending them out there and some of them kind of have a scuffle like there's clearly yeah. this well this there's, there's people yeah there's people in the background saying i ain't going anywhere fuck that yeah and they pull them aside and shoot them yeah they just okay well then you're a deserter and mm-hmm. you're not following orders and you're that's gonna right. fucking die that's right so then everybody we just... are going to have this victorious moment oh for God. the german people for the german army and that is it it's and you can look on their faces as the horror like the realization washes over them sure. like they resign themselves to the fact that 15 minutes to go in the war yeah, yeah. we're doing this jesus and they do. And, and you it's... know what? Paul is raring to go 
because he just saw his best friend for years get killed for nothing. I don't, and he's going to go out swinging and killing some fucking French. I don't think that was the look of somebody who wanted to be out there. I think it was the look of somebody who is resigned to his destiny. He is, and that's the thing. I don't thing. think he's he, angry in any way. He's just... He's so fed up with this bullshit. Well, but he I mean, knows that's the no anger. Way out. Yeah. That's the anger. He can't get out of it. But he's not there to kill people because he wants to. He's, he's not taking he's, out aggression. He's just programmed to do what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. And that's a soldier. That's, and of course, this is like what it does to this you. This is one, the only time in the movie they really give you from the French perspective where they're all just like drinking wine sure. and chilling in the trenches. So they're not even armed. And they won. They That's won. the thing. They win. They get to have their celebration. The Germans don't. They just have to wait. Now it's just a waiting game. Yeah. We've got 15 more minutes. Why would they possibly do anything? Let's just chill out here and drink our wine. And then they hear the attack coming and it just turns into 15 more minutes of chaos and senseless and it, murder. And it's just like the man on man stuff where it's it's the rifles. It is knives. It is just... Hand-to-hand combat. One of them is trying to drown Paul in the water, in In the the mud, mud. like smothering him, and he beats him with a rock. Yeah. And of course, (laughs) I I fucking knew this was going to (laughs) happen. Paul gets out of that situation, and they tumble down into the trenches, Mm. and the two of them are just staring at each other. Waiting. Waiting. Because they both know it's coming very soon. And some guy comes behind him and stabs him through. At... 11, literal seconds. At 10.59 and about 50 seconds. Yeah, literal seconds to go before ceasefire. And you hear, like, the whistles and yep. the cheering and the sirens saying, ceasefire, ceasefire, it's 11 o'clock. Yep. And they're just left standing there staring at each other while he bleeds out. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Like, it's not even, here's our hero and he's going to make it to the end. It's, here's our hero and it means nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a miserable fucking movie. Like, you kind of knew something bad was going to happen when it's like, the war is almost over. Hooray! <laughs> no, there's no hooray anywhere. There's no hooray. Because, Even though there should be. Because the machine just picks up right where it left off. Yeah. So, there's the new recruit. You mm-hmm. hurt. You fine. Here's the bag. Go get the dog tags. Three times in this movie, we have people in the trenches ordered to go and charge and it all ends up the same way. From trench to trench, it is the same result. Yeah. And there's a lot of things in this movie that are done really well technically. Like, we already kind of touched on the score being really effective. Yeah. Uh, but there's other little, like, sound cues and things. So, at the beginning, you kind of pointed it out. When they gather up the uniforms, they wash mm-hmm. the uniforms, they repair the uniforms, they have these women in this sewing room. It's a room of seamstresses. And you hear the machine going, and it the sounds sewing like... Machine. The sewing machine sounds like a gun. It's yeah. going... Yep. And it's just like, oh, boy. Yeah. They, they layer the sound of a machine gun over the top of the sewing machine. Or if... I don't know if it's actually the sound, or they just oh, no. edit it that to was sound a gun. that way. Okay. Yeah, that was a gun because it's the same sound as we hear later but it just goes through this cycle where it's just like this is a literal machine you are all a machine or a piece of the machinery of war yeah and where we started is exactly where we end yeah so if you're going for metaphor and layers yeah this movie's got it all um 
I don't know, Trent, what else do you want to talk about with this one? Because there's wanna, a lot to unpack here. I want to talk about the look of it because okay. there's some really, really good shots here where like the, the the one that I just cannot get out of my mind, it is when they are sounding the retreat after the flamethrowers and tanks show up. This almost at the end of it, and it turns into this overhead shot of the French on the left side of the screen and everybody else retreating on on the right. And it's and him the stuck soldiers, in a hole. The so it's not even him in the hole. It is the soldiers like way down there shooting off the flame and all of the tanks coming through. It is uh, an overhead shot that I I, I wish you remembered. <laughs> I don't remember that one, but there's also a lot of overhead shots of just bodies, so I sure. could be just misplacing yeah, it. It's kind of a far away shot, and and listeners, if you know what I'm what I'm talking about, just agree with me. <laughs> but I I get what you're saying. Yeah, this yeah. movie is as weird as it is to say, beautifully shot. It is. Because there's these landscapes, there's a lot of haze, dark and light. Like, there's the shot when the train is going to the armistice talks. It is completely dark. You have the one little tiny pinprick light coming at you, and it's the train. And then you just see the tracks as we're we're speeding towards our inevitability. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We have the shot of Cat towards the end of the movie where he's going to go take a piss, and it's just him in the trees and it's winter there's no leaves on these trees and it's just empty and quiet and quiet and, and covered peaceful. in snow it's beautiful yeah <laughs> so let me let me ask you this since you're bringing this up the movie starts with kind of a forest shot where there's like mountains and sunrise and there's like a fox with her little baby foxes suckling. Yep. And then there's this shot of like you're laying on the ground looking up at the trees. And there's a few of these throughout the movie mm-hmm. where it's just these really quiet like forest shots. Kind and, of like artistically nature shots. Yeah. What yeah. do you think of those being in here? What do you think the filmmaker means with that? I think it's more a statement on this is what humans do. Humans are the only creatures on this earth that is that are going to do s- things that are so ugly. The rest of nature, the rest of the creatures on this planet would never do something too, so senseless, too, so so senseless to desecrate the the the, the earth. Let's say. Mm-hmm. Well, clearly, there's the the one shot that I think was very intentional is that last one where you're kind of laying on the ground looking up. Mm-hmm. because then it's the reverse shot, like up above, looking down, and it's just yeah. a sea of bodies. Yeah. So that one clearly, that one I get, because <laughs> it's one to the next. Uh, but yeah. yeah, it's just these like really quiet nature, beautiful, like in the middle of the forest, peaceful. And they're, it's it's not that they're out of place per se, but yeah, it's just, why are they there? <laughs> Yeah, I I really think it's just that. Okay. That makes sense. If the whole thing is we need to juxtapose the nightmare scenario that we're in Mm -hmm. with what could be happening in your life. Well, and like we keep on saying, the the big word is juxtaposition. And it's them showing the the officers back doing the, the, the negotiations. It's the general having a nice meal with his wine. And everybody else has to steal a goose in order to have a good meal. Yeah, he's throwing meat to the dog because he's right. got extra to spare. Yeah, he like drinks a little bit of the wine and he just throws it on the the rest of it on the ground. Well, not the wine, but the meat. 
I I thought he was like emptying out his cup. Oh, I mean, he might have. That I think might he have was been doing two that. separate moments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. He did both. He, okay. He, he he threw the 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 bones at the dog. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, this wine is gross. Give right, me different wine. Give me wine. different wine. Yeah, yeah. It's just the excess of that mm-hmm. that is just. It's disgusting. It it really is. And it's all these distant men who are far from the lines. Making decisions about the lives of thousands of other men while you are just back there calling yourself a soldier. Yeah. Like there's an earlier scene where there's a guy at the home office, if you want to call it that, and he's watching these guys reading out the dog tag I was going to ask you about that. So what did you think about... You know, they have this pile of dog tags. They're taking down all the names and the birth dates and recording them in a, in a, in a ledger. Why did you think that they stopped? I think uh, for two things. One, he had heard enough because it's just more shit on a different day. Secondly, he was marching into a meeting and he needed a number. I think uh. it boiled down to... You're still counting, and I don't have time for you to count the okay. rest. Okay. So give me what you got. I'll go and report it. Because, yeah, these names have to be going up the chain. Like, we need to send out telegrams yeah. to tell people they're dead. We need to print names in the newspaper to That's say what I was dead. thinking. They, like my, my initial thought was, maybe are they trying to hide the numbers of no. how many dead that there are? No, I think it's just genuinely... Again, to use a machinery metaphor, it's a deadline. We have a deadline before we can go to press or we have sure. to have a deadline to get to this meeting. Like yeah, I have I'll, to have this report yeah. now. I, I can guess about well, however many that are left based on the pile there. Yeah, the names aren't important. The number is important because yeah. he doesn't give a shit about these people. It's just a body count. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, this guy does. This guy. The, this guy uh, does. The, the Daniel Brule guy, he does care because his the son. The other guy, though, is Yeah, the, the one, other guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the Daniel Brule character absolutely does care because he's the guy going in there to say, I want to sue for peace and we cannot sustain 40,000 a week dead. Well, they're also just realists. They they have been reporting these numbers yeah. to the high command over and over and over again. And it becomes to keep using the same word, futile. <laughs> I need a thesaurus, sure. but it's just <laughs> the word of the day. Like they keep doing this every day. 10,000 dead, 4,000 dead, 20,000 dead, 40,000 dead. Yeah. Dead, dead, lose, bad, wrong. For no, nothing. For, for nothing. nothing. And it'd be different if they were actually making real gains. And if they do, that's great, but then they they lose it the next day or the next week or whatever. It just doesn't matter. You are not making any kind of gains, and you're taking on way too many losses. And that's the story of World War I. It really is. And I think I prefer, like, let's just kind of end here. Uh, I think I prefer 1917 as a story, as a movie. Like, I don't need to know, like, the overarching thing about the peace talks or anything like that. I know how that ends, but the story of 1917 is more interesting than this one. Uh, even though, I mean, I appreciate the fact that this was very authentically made. Like everybody's speaking German and everybody else is speaking French. There's no English in the entire movie. No, <laughs> even though the subtitles say in English, it's like, what? Yeah, yeah. The weird <laughs> subtitles on the Netflix thing was weird. And I hope listeners, if you've gotten this far, we didn't say it before, but I hope that you 
watched the German original audio and not the English dub. Yeah, it starts playing automatically in English. I did not like that. It was really off-putting. <laughs> yeah, we changed it pretty much right after people started talking. And yeah, Netflix, don't do that. Yeah, like, like give, give people, people the more authentic people, choice. Give people the option of the English dub. I'm, I'm okay with that. But no, give them the authentic thing. Yeah, it's really not that hard to read, guys. There's honestly not that much dialogue because it's mostly two hours of showing you yeah. some monstrous things. Yep. No, I think that's all my thoughts for, for now. Um, we'll have more thoughts when we go to our special, but for this one, I totally think that it's going to win some technical awards, and we'll we'll get to that now. But yeah, as a World War One movie, I really like that they made it. I really like how they are depicting everything, but the story if there's anything i'm gonna gripe on it's that well that's the thing there isn't a story the story is everything was fucked sure like 1917 is a fictionalized account mm -hmm. because they gave it a core character yeah. and a directive like yeah. these two people have something there's specific a journey they have to that do, they're going a mission on. this is more from the perspective of the people who lost made by the country that is depicted yeah. saying this was absurd. Mm -hmm. This was bullshit. Yeah, and we're going to give you the bullshit. Yeah, and the great thing about the, what they are depicting is the subtext. It's all subtext because they're saying we are fucked here. We are losing, but these fucking generals won't let us lose. Just please let us go home. Yeah. Please. Everybody's talking about going home, but these guys are not letting their they're letting their pride get in the way. Definitely. Well, since we're talking about Oscars, let's get to that now. So this is up for nine Academy Awards. Yeah, and when they were reading all of these off, I was like, Jesus, I've never heard of this movie before, and it's getting all these accolades? Well, and once they kept saying it over and over, I had a suspicion that this was going to be yeah. a double dip. Yeah. Because that has happened a few times in the recent memory, yeah. where a movie gets nominated for Best International Film mm -hmm. and Best Picture. And sometimes they win Best Picture. Uh, the only one that I think, I assume, well, Parasite. <laughs> Parasite got both. Yes, it did. It did. Most of the time, they win the international category, they don't win Best Picture. Parasite yeah. was rare. <laughs> anyway, this this is up for nine. Uh, it is up for Best International Feature Film, Best Achievement in Makeup and Hairstyling, Music Written for Motion Picture, so Original Score, Sound, Visual Effects, Picture of the Year, Adapted Screenplay, Cinematography, and Production Design. Yeah, I would say of all of those, the score... The need, score is needs amazing. Needs to be up there. Yeah. The score is amazing. And I can't remember what we've talked about all of the other ones. I think the, the score is way up there. The production design is fantastic. I mean, I don't know how they judge a screenplay. Uh, normally, when I think about screenplay, it is dialogue driven and like, for lack of a better word, stage direction and, and, and shit like that. Yeah, this one is definitely more show don't tell. So I don't think it'll probably win. I think it's worth the nomination because it keeps the story moving and it's mm -hmm. interesting. You can't make a movie without a screenplay. Yeah. But you're right. I think most of the ones that tend to win are the ones that have a really unique story to tell. Yeah. And they use the dialogue effectively. Mm -hmm. 
So I don't think it's going to get screenplay. I think the the rest of them, it's got a really good shot. Listen, this won Best Picture at the BAFTAs. So to say it's going to win International Feature, I think is a given. <laughs> I, I agree. And yeah, I, I always take the BAFTAs with a very large grain of salt because BAFTAs tend to to air to the side of anything coming from Europe. Correct. <laughs> like the the ones that uh, won a lot of awards there were like Banshees of Inisherin. Yes. Uh, like that actress won there. Yep. I'm not so sure she's going to win an Academy Award. Nope. <laughs> uh, and a lot of things like that. But then they pick this one. This makes sense for Best Picture over yeah, there. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, uh, I remember when, um, oh, it was the Kristen Stewart Diana movie. Oh, Spencer? Spencer, yeah. Uh, that movie got nothing over there, and I th- I fully believe it is because it, it, the attitude is how dare you Americans make a movie about Diana with a non-British person. I suppose. That's my, that, if I'm going to say anything about the BAFTAs, it is that, like, they are very possessive of their films i put more weight behind something like the sag awards and yeah. uh, the directors guild and the mm-hmm. producers guild they tend to be more of the voting body that ultimately tells you okay this award is for that category so it's it more prob- specialized and they usually will indicate well that's probably going to win that category that's where the winds are blowing yeah so that's usually where it comes from uh, well, any other thoughts about this movie that, uh, before we get to an email? No, uh, I think I've said all I needed to say about this. W- again, we're we're gonna do a wrap up special here on Oscar Sunday. If you weren't on, if you were not aware, uh, we've got one more to go after this. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's take it to an email, and we'll we'll give some news here at the end of the episode about what we're gonna do next week. All right. Well, we've got an email here from Stephanie about another of our Best Picture nominees, Triangle of Sadness. Yes. She says, this movie is very bonkers. Yeah. Each section is interesting in its own right, but I guess I just wasn't sure what the director was trying to say, except the rich suck and power corrupts. There you go. More of the same for how we get into big wars. The first segment is basically one circular conversation about money and relationships. I thought it was interesting, but didn't need to be so long. My husband and I talked about money when we first moved in together and combined bank accounts when we got engaged. Now that I don't have an income, I'm very grateful that we talk about everything. Yeah, that's uh, it's a different kind of a power dynamic there. Uh, as long as you have an understanding of, you know what, this is, it's not my money, it is our money. Mm-hmm. You have to have that understanding, regardless of the income situation. Of how much there is. Yeah. And, like, like I mentioned in one of the, I think in that episode, like, now Betsy makes more money than me. That's fantastic. I don't give a shit. As long as we collectively are making enough money to get by and we're putting enough money in the bank and yeah, that's all that matters. Uh, She continues. The best part of the second section is Woody Harrelson. Yeah. I actually skipped some of the literal shitstorm because it was gross (laughs) and over the top. (laughs) I did like that the storm is not what causes the boat to stink, but people did it. Yeah. However, this was my least favorite segment. 
Maybe this part just struck me badly after spending so much of my career in the service industry. This segment definitely made me nervous for the cruise we are taking this summer. Oops. We are very casual people, and this is not exactly going to be a Disney or Carnival cruise with lots of fat, happy Americans. This oh. is a fancy-ass British cruise, and oh, no. we might stick out a bit. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know if Betsy would ever get me to go on a cruise for a number of reasons. We're not really cruise people. We're not beach people. We are not water people. I, I can't swim. You don't if, swim. I, I had. You can. I, you no. Can, okay. You'll, no. You will go in certain bodies of water. Yes. But nobody touch him. <laughs> Long story short, I had a traumatic experience as a child and I will not swim. Period. <laughs> You're not going to get over that. Nope. <laughs> she continues. The third part was a pretty good power reversal. I do not think Abigail knew about the resort. I think Carl comes across some evidence of the resort or the merchandise guy, and that is why he's running through the woods. Yeah, and the other thought I had about that is maybe he heard screaming Who and he's knows? coming running, but they went a long way it's on that island. It's a vague ending. Yeah. Overall, it is not great. It is fine and kind of interesting, but I don't get why it's nominated for so much. Love, superfan Stephanie. All right. Thanks, Stephanie, for that. I, I, I tend to agree about a lot of that stuff. Uh, good luck on your cruise. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we'll see where it falls overall. We're coming coming to the end here of our Best Picture nominees. Yeah. So for those of you keeping score, we do have one more left. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be a little bit different because... It is a very limited movie. Women yeah. Talking is not a widely released film around where we live. So that episode is actually going to be a little bit late. Yes, we are actually going to watch Women Talking on Wednesday the 8th. When we should be putting it when out. When we should be putting it out. Yeah. Normally our episodes come out on Sundays and Wednesdays. But because it's actually going to be released on Amazon Prime Wednesday the 8th, we're going to watch it that day. I'm going to edit it that night, <laughs> and it's going to come up Thursday morning. So we'll get it out to you guys and who we are will... paying attention as quickly as we yep. can. And we'll make sure to post things on social media saying, hey, things are going to be late. Don't don't worry. Don't panic. It's coming. <laughs> it's still coming. This is going to be the first time that we will have missed a deadline, though. Yes. Simply because it is that unavailable. It's yeah. interesting because most of the movies... Of the last few years, especially, even mm -hmm. before we had a podcast, yeah. they make them available. It's been pretty good. Yeah, since we've been doing this as a couple, we've been doing this every year for... Oh, God, coming up on 10 years, I think, where mm -hmm. we you've at least watched most of them. Yeah. And then several you've years where we've done all of them. All of them. Yeah. So it's weird that we can't get one. <laughs> yeah. And or, it's, or it's we're just, just because... Like, we don't want to buy the damn thing. Don't sure. make me buy it. <laughs> I'm not going to spend 20 bucks. We did that the first year. Like, we spent 20 bucks twice to rent two different movies. We did that for Judas and the Black Messiah and The Father. We spent 20 bucks each on those movies just to rent them. It's, we yeah. don't even keep those. Well, and you can't even rent this one. Women Talking is not available yeah. to rent. You can only buy it. Pretty soon you're going to be able to buy it, and then you'll be able to rent it. But because it's coming on Amazon Prime, I ain't paying anything for this <laughs> <laughs> you'd rather just be a day late we were already right. planning on it being late yeah because it's gonna play in the theaters that day yeah the same day it the comes out on amazon showing that will be in this yeah. town right the one showing in the theater is gonna be the day it comes out on amazon and right yeah i'm just gonna watch well, it on amazon maybe it'll win best picture and then it'll play over and over yeah, again. <laughs> exactly all right sarah polly good luck to you <laughs> so that's gonna be our last episode of the oscar series 
series. Uh, then we are going to have the special after that. Mm -hmm. We do still have a couple of random movies in between. Uh, and then we don't know yet. We'll see. We've got a couple of filler episodes before we get to our next series, but we are working on another series sooner rather than later. Yes, March is going to be like after Oscars is going to be uh, just a few random things that we've ha kind of had in the back pocket. Uh, April is all planned out. <laughs> we have every single episode planned out in advance for April. You're going to love it. I guarantee it. <laughs> But in the meantime, if you would like to tell us about the Oscar movies that you have seen or any of the other movies that we have watched recently, we just put out our 200th movie, Scarface. Hell yeah. Tell us what you think about that one. Uh, you can send us an email like Stephanie at neverseenitpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on all the social medias. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just look up Never Seen It with Trent and Betsy. You'll be able to find us. You can also click the link in the podcast description on Anchor and throw us a buck to support the show. Hell yeah. And then maybe we won't feel so bad about renting $20 movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but with that in mind, this has been another episode of Never Seen It. We thank you for listening. I have been Betsy. And I have been Trent. And we will catch you next time. See ya.